I hope I match that same vibe, that same juice that you guys brought today. Ray, thank you. Awesome. You guys are amazing, amazing, amazing. Hey, can I, I'm going to ask you several questions today. You guys feeling sharp? Now, come on, be better than that 930 crowd. It's 11 o'clock. You guys are awake and refreshed, right? All right, here we go. Have you ever been lost? Always. Have you ever been lost? How many of you remember the days before Google Maps and Waze? For those of you that are maybe under the age of 40 that don't know what that's like, there was a day and a time in which we used to go to a full service gas station. Round of applause if you remember those days. Amen. Hallelujah. You didn't have to get out of your car and Gomer Powell would walk up and fill your tank up with gas. Don't you miss Mayberry sometimes, amen? We'd buy maps at those places that would show us how to get around and navigate, right? Um, we, we, these, these maps looked great in the, in the little kiosk they were in, and we would unfold those maps, and we would map out a route or direction. If you were in sales or business, you know, you, you lived according to those maps, or the maps go if you lived in a metroplex, Right? And, and you would chart your course. And, and hey, and by the way, you, you can never fold those maps up the way they came, right? Can you? Many a family fight, near I say maybe even leading to divorce, have happened because you didn't fold the map up accordingly, appropriately, right? Paper cuts, everything. You're bleed, bleeding all over it, you know? Um, map, that used to be the way we navigated. And uh, they, they showed us where to go. Right? They mapped out everything for us. Now, today, it's hard for us to imagine those times because we just type in an address and, and, and your car almost near drives you to where you're going, right? I mean, just even without, sometimes it's hands free now. We've seen those commercials, right? The G, I mean, come on, right? Um, uh, but, but, but maps were a bit, have you ever been lost? I remember uh, as a kid, one of my favorite things to do on family trips, and we would make the pilgrimage from Dallas to, to North Carolina to see grandparents. And, and I'll never forget one year when, when my mom, I think it was through our local insurance agent, uh, came home with a atlas, a big book of maps. It had every state in the United States I think it even had like Puerto Rico and Hawaii, like we were going to drive over there and somehow we need to find our way to get to even those territories or what have you. Some of you will catch that in a little while, but, um, but it had, I'll never forget the time in which we were making our way up to, to care. And, and I had this brand new big book of maps and, 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 and I, I said, we had a big family van back in the day and Dad took the last seat out in that van and kind of built a platform bed because when you travel, you don't pull over and stay at a hotel back in the day. In fact, you, you didn't pull over even to, how many of you remember the ice chest in the center of the vehicle and you just grabbed a sandwich or, and a Pepsi Cola, an RC Cola and a Moon Pie? Mm, those are the good, you, you remember, and then our van had that, had the, the engine, remember, was right in the middle right there between the captain seats. That thing blows up, it's taking the whole family out. I mean, it, there's nothing there but a thin piece of plastic protecting it. And you get hot, woo, right? I mean, you could set up something there and kind of heat it up a little bit. Anyway, I'm, I digress. Dad let me say, hey, once you map out, he knew where we were headed. So I thought, 
And, but he let me kind of map out and I would travel. I was traveling on this book of maps as we made our way from Dallas through Arkansas and up to Tennessee and came across into North Carolina and I was tracing it. He had highlighted the route we were taking and I loved that. Sometimes though, even with the map, we would find ourselves lost. We'd find ourselves maybe in a place where, where there was a new road and, and, or we just got off course or maybe we were distracted by you know going to visit the Indians there in Cherokee, North Carolina and getting our picture made with them. And we're in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We're gonna stop there. This is before Dollywood and all that back in the good old days. And, and, but we would get sidetracked and sometimes you could even get lost even though you had the map. Now, of course, you know what happened back in the day when you got lost. It was your mom that would always encourage the dad, the husband, to pull over and get directions, right? Now, ladies, you don't understand that any man worth his salt never does that. We know exactly where we're at. It just might take us a while to get where we're going, you know? But, but I remember those times in which we, we, we deviated a little bit and, and, and we were lost. Dad would never admit that. Mom knew it. My brother and I didn't care because we had pimento cheese sandwiches and Pepsi Colas and we were good to go, right? And we'd sleep in the back of the van while we're traveling and driving. Hey, Pastor Allen, how are you? Good to see you. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have done that, but God, I'm just like a ninja. I see everything. And... Uh, but, but, but we would eventually get to where we were headed. It's not fun being lost, is it? It causes great family fights in the midst of a family vacation. And it can cause some confusion, some of your blood pressure to rise. No one likes to be lost. I, I, this summer I spent, I share with you guys the last few weeks, I, I spent a, a couple of weeks in, 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 in a cabin in Colorado by myself. And, and I shared that with you last week that it was torture, it was awful. The silence was deafening and it was brutal. And, but I eventually got used to that. And, and, and what I would do while I was there often, I'd go on a hike. I'd go walking. I'd like to get out and, and, and the cabin that I was at had this notebook in it said, hey, listen, if you want to go for this hike here, here's, I'm going to direct you to a trailhead. It was Pennsylvania mountain. And, and, and so the, the directions in the, in the book, and I took a picture with it, with my phone, because I couldn't use my phone for anything else, but I took a picture so that I would know how to drive to what they call the trailhead. So I made my way to the trailhead. It was about a mile away from where I was, was staying and I drove up to it and meandered and I finally found the parking spot. I noticed there was a car already there at the trailhead. So I knew that somebody besides Bear were out on the trail ahead of me. There was human life somewhere there and I was so thankful for that. But, but I'm, and, and I got it and I began to walk. But what I noticed was the trailhead was not clearly, I mean the trailhead was not clearly defined. Um, I mean, there was debris down, there were rocks, and, and, and normally it's, it's, it's pretty defined, you see paths, but it was just, I was having a hard time navigating, so I started walking, and, and eventually I began to hear the sounds of those other humans that were ahead of me, and I soon caught up with them because I'm fitting in shape, can't you tell? I was at 10,500 feet breathing profusely. I had a Nalgene water bottle, didn't know what I was about to experience, but I found some other human beings that were acquainted with the area. It's always good when you find somebody that knows where you're at or how to get to where you need to be. Are you with me there? Remember that. 
So I asked these people, oh yeah, we've been here all the time. I said, hey, listen, I'm trying to, I, I, I want to take a hike up the, the, the mountain here. I want to, you know, get some altitude. I'm going to try to get to the top and I just don't know where to go. I said, well, there's, there's some great fields over here and great views over here on this side. But if you really want to get to the top, this is where you need to go. And they set me out because I was L-O-S-T, didn't have a clue where I was. In fact, I think I took a picture to show you. I finally found my way up to where I was headed and, and I found myself up above tree line and I'm about 12,500 feet there, um, there on Pennsylvania mountain. I, uh, I didn't quite make it all the way to the top because it's stormy. See the storms coming in and, and I wasn't quite prepared. I had my little thin Patagonia jacket on there. Don't I look like an REI model, by the way? I just, I got my Gooder glasses on, REI hat, my Patagonia jacket. And under that jacket, I'm wearing a Baylor basketball shirt. Because that's, they're really good in basketball, Jill. But anyway, this is, this is on Pennsylvania Mountain. But I'm so grateful that there were people there to guide me. Because I didn't have a clue where I was going. I could have been lost and eaten up by a bear and not with you today. Had that happened. But praise God, there was someone to give me some direction. Someone to guide me because I was clueless as to where I was headed. As I think about maps as a kid and us being so dependent upon them to find our destinations back in the day, as I think about my time on the trailhead there on Pennsylvania Mountain, it was so important that there was someone there to show me the way. 1910 Church, I have a word for us today and I want to encourage us with something. Just as we, I needed people to help me find grandma's house or to find my way up to the top or almost to the top of Pennsylvania Mountain, there are people all around us daily that are searching for direction. They are looking for their way in a world that is lost. You know, we live in a day and a time in which I believe there is a faith deficiency in our culture. There, 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 there are people that, that are lost in their days and confused and, and we're just faith deficient. There are people that are alienated from God. There are people that, that are not living up to the, the life and re, the purposeful life that Jesus came to give them. There are people that are still controlled and pursuing evil ways. They're giving in to their sinful lust. Their hearts are just hard and they're turned towards God. They're just what we would say they're lost. They're faith deficient. We've got some diseases and illnesses in our communities today. This, this one called affluenza. Affluenza, where we have so much that we don't see our need for God. We have egoenza, where we feel like we are invincible. I'm the king of the world. And we have no need for someone to guide us or tell us, I can find my way, right? We have, we had just so many things wrong. We live in a day and a time where people are searching for their way. And today I want to challenge us as believers in Christ to consider what our role is when it comes to helping people navigate and find their way. Listen, you need to know that lost people without Jesus in their life go to a place called hell when they die. That's just the truth. 
but you need to understand something about hell. First of all, there is no hope in hell. Once you're there, you're there. You're totally alienated from God for eternity. But you need to understand something about this place called hell. It was never created for any of us to go there. It was created for Satan himself and his angels that had been hurled out of heaven. Hell was not created for humans. It was created for the devil. Are you okay with that? You need to know that God's plan and purpose for every one of us listening and those of you that are online today, God's plan and purpose has always been that we would be right where he is, that we would be gathered with him one day in a place called heaven. And we would sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We would worship him. That's God's plan for use. But God saw the lostness of the world. He saw that we were dazed and confused and meandering and wandering around, not knowing where the we were going. And so he intervened and he sent Jesus. In fact, there's a great scripture in Luke chapter 19, verse 10 that says, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. Aren't you thankful that God in his love for mankind, his creation said, you know what? I don't want them to perish. I don't want them to be lost any longer. And so I'm gonna make a way. And he intervened and sent Jesus so that we could be found, so that we can be restored, so that we could be brought back to life. Anybody restore like old furniture or old cars, anything like that? Right? You know, you bring something that looks done, decrepit, rusted out, rotted, right? It's, it's, it's on its last leg. I mean, this is like American picker type stuff, right? Those guys go and get the worst of the worst, and whether they restore it, they bring it back to life, and all of a sudden, whoa, it is of value and of worth. Well, my friend, can I tell you something? When God looks at you, he sees something of worth. He sent his son Jesus for you so that you could have life. I'm just wondering if we are concerned about the lostness that we see around us. And because it's so great and we've got friends that are just dazed and confused and going to, they're falling off all sorts of deep ends. What can we do? How can we bring hope to those who seem to have none? Well, I believe that that starts by us raising up and and us as Christ followers, understanding that God wants to work through us to tell the story of the hope that we profess. I had lunch with a gentleman this week. I eat lunch every day. I love lunch. I love lunch. And, and we, we, we went to that, 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 that sandwich shop from heaven, Schlotzky's. I don't know who, the Schlotzky's family are tops on my list. Praise God for them. And I just love the melted cheese on the sourdough bread. It is just absolutely exquisite. It's wonderful, right? met a gentleman in our church for lunch. He said, I just want to talk to you and share with you. I said, uh-oh, what's going on, you know? So I'm ready. I'm coming in. He said, hey, man, I just want to let you know God's at work in our lives. He's doing some great things. He said, I got to tell you how, how, how he's been coming to this church for a little over, uh, almost a year now and was saved in this house and baptized in this house. I, got, I cannot tell you the miracle that God has done in our family. Our marriage is strong. I got to tell you, we've had some medical things over the last few months, and we've seen miracle after miracle after, and pastor, I just want to tell you that today. I'm telling you, this is the best Slotsky sandwich I've ever had in my life. 
He said, I got to tell you something about my work. My work is off the charts. I'm busier now than ever before. But pastor, check this out. There's someone I've met while at work that I'm beginning to share the difference that Jesus has made in my life. I'm going, bro, you better stop that. You are not supposed to talk about Jesus in the workplace. <laughs> no. I'm going, all right, tell me more about it. I said, yeah. I said, you know, I mean, I'm not you and I'm not walking around with my Bible, but I just, I, I just sense that, that this individual's hurting. They're lost and they're, they're, they're looking. So I'm just sharing with them what Jesus has done in my life. I'm going, that's it. That's it. And as I think about the lostness of our culture, and as I think about the hope that we have, it's going to happen. We bring hope to those areas when we do what this gentleman's doing. We speak of him in our homes. When we share the stories with coworkers, students, when you, when you share that with your classmates on your school campuses, when we share what Jesus has done for us, that brings hope to a world that is lost. In 1910, we're going to be serious about raising up people and helping you to do just that. Because here's the deal. Every Christian is called to be a witness. Do you believe that? I don't have that spiritual gift. Well, there is a spiritual gift called evangelism. But, but, but listen, every one of us who are in Christ are called to tell the difference that Jesus Christ has made in our lives. Hey, do you remember the difference that Jesus has made in your life or are you over him already? I pray we never get over Jesus. And I think it's real easy for us to do so, right? I think it's so easy. And so I asked this gentleman, I said, hey, what was your life like before Christ? And he began to share, oh man, you, he said, I'll never forget when the first time I came to church, he said, I thought lightning was gonna strike. And a lot of people feel that way. Some of you feel like, I think the church might burn down if I ever walk in those doors. I hear that all the time. But this gentleman began to remember what he was like, but the difference that Jesus had made in his life. Listen, I want you to know that if you're in Christ, you've been saved. Listen, he saved you so that in turn, you can go and lead others towards him also. You are called to be a witness. Let me remind you of one of the most famous passages in all of scripture. It's called the Great Commission. It's written in red in my Bible. So who said it? Jesus said it. He's speaking these words over his disciples. And he says these words to them, beginning in verse nine, he says, I want you to go and make disciples. That means followers. I want you to go and make followers of me. I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them. I want you to teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And I want you to continue to do that. Be sure of this. I'm going to be with you always, but I want you to do this until the very end of the age. Listen, if you've been saved, these two verses are for you. You're not called to sit and soak. You're called to go and tell. You're called to go and tell. When's the last time you shared with someone the difference that Jesus has made in your life? You see, listen, listen, us gathering today for 70 minutes in this service is not going to make a cultural transformation. We are called to get out of this house and to go and tell the very story of Jesus Christ. Are you with me there? And I love in Acts chapter one, we flip over to Acts chapter one. These same disciples are with a resurrected Jesus. This is his final encounter with them physically before he ascends to heaven that final time. 
And then they're wondering, hey, listen, we remember you said that we're to go and be disciples and be witnesses to when is the end of the age? How long do we have to do this? We've been with you for three years now, and now you're, 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 you're leaving us? What are, how long must we continue this mission? And I love in verse seven, and so many of us can get caught up in the day and the time, but let me just remind you of this real quick. Jesus replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Hey, listen, can we, listen, I think it's okay for us to, to have some understanding about the return of the Lord and what the end times will look like. But can I just remind you of something that day one after the resurrection, the return of Jesus has been closer since day one after the resurrection. We're closer to the return of Jesus Christ today than we were yesterday. And, and, and if we're here tomorrow, then we'll be another day. Are you with me there? See, my concern is that so many of us get caught up in studying and trying to predict the day and the time. What's happened is we've studied too much about it versus going and telling others about him. So I'm not trying to say one's, well, I just know that we're called golden tail. How's it going to happen? I don't know. I tell people I'm a pan millennialist. It'll all pan out. I just know I'm called to go and tell. Anyway, you can talk to me about that afterwards if you have a problem. But look what it says in verse eight. You're gonna receive power, Jesus told them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I like power. Don't you like power? You ever been without power? I ask you if you've ever been lost, yeah? You ever been without power? It's not very fun, is it? Food spoils. You can't see where to go. You can't watch ESPN. Bad, isn't it? Jesus is talking about a power that he was going to send their way. He's talking to these 11 because one's gone. 12, remember one committed suicide. His name was Judas. He hung himself. Jesus is now telling these 11, listen, I'm about to send someone your way. You're going to have power. What is that power? What is this Holy Spirit power that Jesus is speaking of in, 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 in Acts 1 verse 8? He said, I'm going to give you courage. You're gonna have a boldness. You're gonna have confidence. Hey, you're, you're gonna have the ability to, to do things that you were not able to do on your own. Hey, you're gonna have insight. You're gonna to begin to see people and see situations and things the way I see them. Hey, and I'm gonna give you some authority. Whoo, hey, you would never have on your own. I'm gonna give you some power. The Greek word is the dunamis. We get the English word dynamite, right? I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Hey, church, can I tell you something? That as we infiltrate and address the lostness in our culture around us, we must walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because there are things that God is wanting to do through us that we cannot do without him. We can't. We need this power. They needed it in Acts chapter one. You're gonna receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're gonna be my witnesses. What does a witness do? What does a witness do? Tells, testifies. They share what they know about an experience or a situation, right? But they, they, they simply tell everything. When's the last time you witnessed? When's the last time you told someone about your Jesus experience. I loved my time at Slotsky's, not because the, the, the original sandwich I had with the, I had the, the max, the extra meat on it. 
I did. I mean, if you're gonna, get, if you're gonna eat one, eat, eat one, right? But I loved hearing this show and say, you know what, I don't know a lot. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm just bearing witness to the miracles that he's worked in our family. Pastor, this, this lady that I'm visiting with at work, I, I, she's going through a tough time and, 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 and you know what, I, I want her to know what has gotten me through those moments. He's just being a witness. He's just telling what he knows about what Jesus has done in his life. You're gonna be those witnesses, Jesus tells them. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, you don't have to get a passport and an airline ticket in order to go and be a witness for the Lord, although some of you will. We've got a group that leaves here in a few weeks. Linda Sandoval, wave at everybody. Linda's leading a group going to Guatemala here in a few weeks, right? But listen, for some of us, the ends of the earth may start in our home, in our family, or it's the workplace where God is saying, hey, listen, I'm sending you out to be a witness for me there. Maybe it's in your school, as I said, in our city. Where is God wanting to send us to bear witness to the difference that Jesus has made in our lives? Wow. Fast forward to the book of Acts chapter eight. If you're looking for something to read this week, can I give you a reading assignment? I want you to read Acts chapter eight. Say Acts eight. Acts eight. It's a great chapter. In Acts chapter seven, we read about Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian that was martyred for his faith. And by the way, I love this about Stephen. While Stephen was being stoned, while the rocks were pelting him, while he's bludgeoned and bleeding and in tremendous pain, Stephen, scripture says, was looking up. Looking up. Hey, this just might be a word for someone listening today. You're going through a difficult time. You're going through some persecution. Life is not fun for you right now. There's an outcome that maybe you're dreading. Can I just encourage you with something? Learn from our brother, Stephen. Look up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. We used to sing that, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, those of us that have hope, we believe that God is for us. We trust that he, he can, he's, he's trustworthy. We believe his promises. And even though it may not be going the way we want it to at this moment, you keep your eyes up. But in Acts 8, Stephen's been murdered. He's been stoned to death. In Acts chapter 8, we read about a man by the name of Saul. First verse talks about Saul was present when Stephen was stoned to death. Saul's a bad dude awful persecutor of the church, right? Saul's on his way to Damascus one day, has an encounter with Jesus that transforms him. Come on, you know, every true encounter with Jesus transforms a person. This guy Saul was never the same. He was blinded, lost his sight. The guys that were attending to his needs, they're freaked out because a voice from heaven comes out. It's so dramatic that his name changes from Saul to what? There you go. See, 11 o'clock is smart. You guys know some stuff. You guys know your scripture. We read about Saul. But I want to talk to you about another man in Acts chapter 8 that you're going to read about this week. His name is Philip. Now, Philip's not the disciple Philip. Philip is one of the seven that were set aside in the, in the early church to be a deacon. 
Remember they were having a problem with feeding the widows and taking care of needs in the community around them. So the apostles appointed these deacons, these called leaders that would help distribute and meet needs. And that's what a deacon does. That word diakonos means to serve and meet needs. I want you to know that everybody at 1910 Church that professes Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior should embrace the role of a deacon. You know what that means? You're meeting people's needs around you. And the last time I read scripture, that's what Jesus calls us to do anyway, right? So you don't need a fancy title or a name. Just know if you call yourself a Christian, you already have everything you need. Jesus says, go meet needs, go serve, right? Okay, if you wanna talk to me about that afterwards, you can as well. But in Acts chapter eight, this man Philip is one of those seven. And I wanna read to you just a few scriptures from Acts chapter eight real quick. And I love what it says. So, so, so Philip is filled with the spirit. He's ready to go and bear witness. It says in verse four that the believers who were scattered began to preach the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. The believers did what? They preached the good news about who? Jesus everywhere. that They were scattered. They were facing tremendous persecution. Sometimes God has to shake us to wake us. Sometimes we go through some difficult times or hardships so that God can get our attention. It's not that he's mad at you or that he's trying to destroy you. He's just trying to wake us up. Right? You ever been there? But I want you to know that sometimes the shaking's for our good. It's for the good in Acts 8. Church has seen Stephen murdered. He's done and they're scared to death. And they begin to scatter. Remember what Jesus says in Acts 1? You're going to see and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's these concentric circles all around you. Go and tell my story. Philip, for example, was one of those who went to the city of Samaria. What do we know about Samaria? Samaritans were known as a half-breed. Okay? And they were oftentimes looked down and despised on by other people. I know we would never look at a, a person because of their skin color or where they're from in our day and age and ever judge them or think ill of them. We would never do that, would we? And we do. It's a biblical problem as well. These Samaritans, they were not looked upon highly favored. So now here's Philip, this Jewish guy, and he's going to the very Samaria where these people live. This is not the only time we read about Samaria. Remember in John chapter four, where Jesus is thirsty, he meets a woman at a well. She was a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? Dudes don't talk to women in the middle of the day. Scandalous. Plus you're Jewish and I'm a Samaritan. It was just a no-no back then, right? But Philip, that's exactly where the Holy Spirit has sent him. He's gone to Samaria and the people, he's telling people there about the Messiah. Look what it says. Crowds believed or listened intently to Philip because they were eager. What were they? They were eager to hear the message and see what? The miraculous signs that he did. Wow. So it wasn't just teaching. Philip is also performing signs, wonders, and miracles. And people were eager. They were amazed. Look what it says. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And there was great what? Come on, there was what? Some of y'all need some of that right now because you're bored. You're ready to go to Slotsky's, aren't you? <laughs> there was great joy in that city because of what was happening. We go on through chapter eight. I'm gonna read it all because again, you're gonna do that because you're hungry for the word of God and you're gonna dive into that this week. We know that Peter and 
uh, John are hearing about this and they go down to see what's happening here. You're gonna read about a sorcerer in Acts chapter eight. You're gonna read all that fun stuff. But I wanna get down because this man, Philip, again, down around verse 20 something, I can't six. Philip is, is, again, obedient to the Spirit. Spirit is speaking to him. I'm telling you, when you open up your life for God to speak to you, watch out, Jack and Jill, because he will speak to you. He will speak to you. And he's given this man, Philip, another area. I want you to travel down, it says. Go down south. We know that in Acts chapter eight, as Philip's traveling south, he crosses path with an Ethiopian in his carriage. And this Ethiopian is reading scripture. And I love this verse in Acts 8, 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and look at these three words today. Walk along beside the carriage. This Ethiopian had been in Jerusalem worshiping and he's now traveling back and he's reading scripture, but he's perplexed. The Holy Spirit says, hey, Philip, I want you to go over there and just walk along beside that carriage. As Philip is walking along beside, as Philip is just making himself available, as Philip is just stepping into the boss's office, as Philip just steps into the locker room or the band hall, as Philip just is a part of that PTA group, as Philip just is a part of an HOA meeting in his community, the Holy Spirit begins to speak and uses him to help someone that's lost. This man is reading, this Ethiopian is reading from the prophet Isaiah, reading scripture, but he's having a hard time really understanding and determining what it's saying. Do you ever have a hard time with scripture? Is it confusing sometimes? Come on, get your hands up, let me see. Yeah. Or sometimes you've read something a thousand times and you read it the next time and there's something new or different that the Holy Spirit reveals to you. This Ethiopian is having a hard time, but Philip simply walks along beside. Guys, listen, I don't think we have to go far to find people that are lost. I think the Holy Spirit of God is just simply saying, get out of your Christian bubble and just get out and live life. And as you do, you're gonna find people that are deficient in the faith. The story goes that this Ethiopian invites Philip to jump in the carriage with him. I probably would too. I'm tired of walking. Russ, I'm an old man and out of shape and sometimes I just need a ride, right? Philip hops in and just simply begins to read scripture, verse 33. So beginning with the scripture that the gentleman was reading, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Doesn't say that Philip said, hey brother, do you know that you're lost and dying now? a place called hell that you'll go to without Jesus. No, this guy's in need. I just need somebody to help me understand what this is saying. Is that easy? Would you just show me? I don't get this. Can someone please help me understand it? And our culture is screaming that. And it may just simply be for us just helping them understand scripture. I don't even know where to start with that, Pastor. Hey, you know one. It's probably safe for me to say that every one of us in this room listening know at least for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him, you're not gonna perish. You're gonna have everlasting life. 
or, or, or maybe it's just simply telling your story. In fact, hey, do you have a phone with you, a phone or something to write a note on? Or Everybody pull out a phone or something to write with. Can you do that real quick? Come on, I didn't do this at 9.30. I'm gonna do it for you guys because this is the gifted and talented group. Hey, if you're watching us online right now and saying, first of all, I wish I would have tuned into another church. But I want you to pull this out right now as well because I'm gonna give us an assignment today. Hey, listen, as I step into the losses, as I bring hope, hey, not only reading scripture, but maybe how could I just tell my Jesus story? Hey, I want you to write this down. How to tell your Jesus story. Number one, I want you to remember what your life was like before you met Jesus. So number one, my life before Jesus. Anybody remember that? Whoa. How many of you have a sordid, dark history? Tell me about it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. It's not confession time. My life before Jesus. How I met Jesus is number two. How did you meet Jesus? A friend took time, walked along beside me. Or I went to a church service or a vacation Bible school. I went to a youth camp. Hey, anybody ever saved at youth or kids camp? Let me see your hands. Yeah, come on. That's why we do that, right? Anybody ever saved in just kids ministry in a church, right? Yeah, right there, right? So how did you meet Jesus? And number three, this is the most important, circle number three, how Jesus has changed my life. Guys, as we walk along beside people, it might be helping them understand like the Ethiopian in Acts chapter eight, a verse of scripture. Or it might simply you be saying, I'm just gonna tell you what Jesus has done in my life. I was this, and this is how I met him. And man, I'm telling you, this is what he's done for me. I wanna encourage us to walk along beside people. We are people of faith. We have Jesus. And check this out. Not only are we're to do something with our faith, go and tell. Hey, this summer, you heard from Pastor Randy Ayers, pastor at Cross Mountain Church. Great friend, great speaker. He preached this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. says, let your light shine. Remember that one? Let your light shine out for all to see so that everyone... Listen, we are to be people that demonstrate our faith. Faith is not something to be kept inside. It's something to be shared. Just a couple of verses earlier here in Matthew 5, he uses this idea of salt. Salt is no good in a shaker. You've got some sitting on a countertop or kitchen table right now, don't you? I shared this with the last, don't you? Salt is good when it's out of that container, is it not? Come on, somebody. Mashed potatoes and cream gravy, add some salt to that and see what, smack your mama. It is that good, right? Chicken fried steak. Come on, how many pork chops, fried pork chops growing up? Good gosh, somebody help a preacher out. But salt is no good. It's useless unless you get it out of the shaker. And I'm telling you guys, what we're doing right here is not gonna bring about cultural transformation. This is not gonna change the lostness in our city unless we leave here and do something with it today. We gotta get out of the shaker. We're not gonna hide it under a bush. Oh, no. We're gonna let it shine. Let your light shine. Wow, do you care? about the lost people in our city. In fact, I'm gonna close with this as our band comes up to lead us today. We're gonna to sing a song out today, but can I ask you, I, I, wanted, I started to say, do you pray? But most of us say we pray, but you know how we oftentimes pray? God, I need you to do this in my life right now. 
Or God, I, I, God, I need, I need. And we oftentimes pray for ourselves. Nothing wrong for praying for yourself. If you've got a need, remember the old hymn says, take it to the Lord in prayer, right? Are you weak? And take it to the Lord. Absolutely. But can I just challenge your prayer life today and maybe shake it up and mess you up a little bit? When's the last time you prayed for our city or our community? When's the last time you prayed for a lost person in your community or in your city? When's the last time you prayed for city officials versus firing off a next door neighbor rant? Oh, I'm reading somebody's mail right now. HOA. What do you mean we gotta have the same paint palette for our community? What do you mean I can't park my old hoopty on the street? You know, I mean, it's so easy for us to curse versus be a blessing. What might happen? The question I want you to see today is how often do you pray for your community or your city? That'll mess you up, right? When's the last time you prayed for a lost person wandering around like me and my family on our way to North Carolina lost and we don't know where we're at. When's the last time you prayed for that person? And by the way, you know someone. They say you know at least five people by first name that are lost. That if they died today, they'd spend eternity separated from God in that place that I told you about earlier, hell. Do you pray for them? Do do, do you pray for our city and our community? When's the last time you prayed for our uh, uh, officials? When's the last time you prayed first responders? When's the last time you prayed for John or Sally? When's the last time you prayed for your classmate in English? When's the last time you prayed for the coach who doesn't let your kid play because they're the next best Heisman Trophy winner? Talk to me about that too. We're called to be a blessing and not a curse. Listen, we've been saved, we've been transformed so that in turn we can take the good news and just as Philip, guys, just walk along beside people. Just obey what the Spirit of God's telling you. Hey, I want you to go here. Why, Why am I going here to eat? Maybe it's because there's an encounter with a server. Met a young girl last night, her name was Faith at a restaurant in San Antonio. Faith had more piercings than I've ever seen in my life. And she had ink all over, all over the place. But she was, and I said, Faith, now my family was with me, so this wasn't one of those weird, freaky things. I said, Faith, I want you to know something. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. We tipped her well. We honored her. We thanked her. Even her very name, does it not speak of a destiny? and a purpose for her, and I wanted her to see that. But who will God send across your path? Or where is God sending you? Hey, last Sunday, I I gave you a word of warning, and I wanna continue that today. Hey, just stand up with me real quick. Hey, um, is there an area that you will begin praying about getting involved in in our city in order to bring the hope of Jesus? Guys, throw that up on the screen for me, please. Is there an area that you know is lost or broken, something that needs to be restored, someone that needs to be, in which you will begin praying right now for God to send you there? Is it an HOA? Hey, Tuesday night is National Night Out. Can I just encourage all of us listening today? Hey, can we get outside of our homes Tuesday night and walk the hood 
Can we get out into our neighborhood and meet our neighbors? Do you know them by first name? Do you know if they have some situations or things going on in their family life? Or the other dog barks. No, besides that, are there some real needs in which the Spirit of God might be saying, hey, listen, could you be a blessing and an encourager? Do they have a spiritual family to connect with? Are they faith deficient? Are they lost? I mean, what do, do you know them? Let's get out and let's meet neighbors. Let's, let's introduce ourselves and carry your Bible around and your megaphone and just yell and be ugly and tell them that, no. Eat a hot dog with them, a glass of lemonade. Talk about how nice their yard looks and how jealous you are. But just meet people. Is there an HOA to plug into? Is there a PTA group? Is there, is there some organization within our city? Huh? Is there a, a political position to seek after? Is there a prisoner to visit? Is there someone on the street corner that doesn't have something to eat? What is it for you that you could begin to pray about? Say, God, Instead of sending someone else, I want you to send me there. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for what you're doing in this house. And Lord, I want to thank you for the declarations over these next few weeks that we're going to begin to share publicly with one another about how we're going to step into our culture and be a blessing. How we're going to step into our city, God, and be a light for Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for saving us and for transforming our lives. But, but God, it's not just for us. The, your heart's desire is that we would live lives that glorify and honor you. So Lord, our prayer today, even as we sing these words, Lord, would you be magnified in us? Lord, when you're magnified, we decrease and you increase. And people get a clearer picture as to who you are by the lives we live. So God, I pray that you would be magnified in us today. Not for our glory, but for yours. Not for church growth, but for kingdom growth, God. Christ, be magnified.